everyone. This is Mike Lindstedt, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project. You are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, today's podcast is going to introduce a new subject. And I got to tell you, I am um, very excited about the implications of this subject. You're very fired up. I'm very fired up. <laughs> Chad can see me. The intensity in my <laughs> eyes is burning a hole through him at this moment. Well, you got to tell people you came into my office this morning. <laughs> excited to tell. So I come into the office this morning <laughs> and Ben, bless his heart, is standing there with Chad and they're not quite as excited as I am, <laughs> uh, to put it mildly. And um, But I asked them permission. You did. If I can share two things with them, mm-hmm. two things particularly. The first one is what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And, uh, and they laughed because they know my uh, genuine enthusiasm for things. And I have to share them with people yeah. when I find them out because uh, for whatever reason in my head, I think they're the most important thing in the world. <laughs> and they, this is very important. This yeah. one abso- actually say, is. I will say it was very, very good. Yeah. And um, it's not just because, it's not important just because it's exciting. This this concept that I'm going to introduce um, is deeply, deeply interwoven throughout both the Old and New Testament. And mm-hmm. it's the concept of peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hebrew word is shalom and the Greek word is irene. But the concept, the idea is, is very much the same, um, regardless of the word that you use uh, when, you, when you really think through it. And so we're talking about peace today and it's in its importance in the scriptural narrative it's importance not just theologically but also practically right mm-hmm. as everything in the bible isn't just theological it's always theological and practical right and so um before we we kind of get into what our discussion today i, I do want to just take a moment to read um from the westminster theological word book of the bible which was edited by donald e Gowen. This has been such a, uh, a blessing for me personally and for the Nehemiah Project's ministry to have this book. It was donated by a donor of ours. And um, I would recommend if you're interested in learning more about the importance of uh, words in the scriptures that you pick it up. It's called the, the Westminster Theological Word Book of the Bible by Donald Gowen. And so I'm just gonna read some of the um, portions here uh, under the heading of peace uh, in this book. And I think this will do us very well to structure our conversation because honestly, Chad and I are really just going to riff off of this because mm-hmm. it's such a overarching concept that we're obviously not going to touch every thing that we could possibly touch in today's podcast. But we do want to bring it up because it is our hope and prayer that it's going to really bless you. And it's going to be one of those things that provides a new lens to the scriptures a new meaning that you're going to see it everywhere. Like you may have never really understood as, as I did, how mm-hmm. overarching this concept truly is. It's kind of like when you buy a car that you've never seen before and then you see a ton of them driving around because you just have never noticed it. It's like a Tesla. They were there, but, but you didn't realize they were there. I didn't buy a Tesla. No. But if my wife's listening to this, she's probably rolling her eyes right now <laughs> because I literally will make it a point to point out every Tesla I see popping up in Mandeville. Yeah, because my oh my, are they popping up? <laughs> but yes, it's it's like that. You know, you've seen it everywhere, but you don't actually realize it's there until you either own one or, <laughs> in my case, you just like the company Tesla. <laughs> okay, so again, I'm reading from the Westminster Theological Word Book of the Bible, and here's what it says about peace: 
Peace translates the Old Testament Hebrew, shalom, and the New Testament Greek, irene. Both are deeply interwoven into the central theological purposes of both Testaments. Shalom occurs more than 200 times and irene about 100 times. Now, shalom is iridescent in meaning, connotating total well-being. It has a couple of different facets. Shalom may denote material prosperity, ethical relations among humans, or eschatological messianic hope that brings peace among nations. Shalom cannot be understood apart from Israel's understanding of Yahweh war that establishes and maintains creation, order against chaos. Shalom is usually absence of war, often by negotiated peace treaties between nations. Shalom is also tranquility or quietness of spirit. It's also health. And it also means, um, or it also has this importance, seeking and pursuing peace uh, as a moral imperative for God's people. So we can stop there for just a moment, Chad, and, and just kind of mention some of the significances attached to this concept that we've learned thus far. Number one, it says it cannot be understood apart from Yahweh's uh, establishing and maintaining creation order against chaos. And so, you know, at the very outset of the Bible, mm-hmm. God speaks order into chaos. If you open up your Bible to Genesis chapter one, uh, verses one and two, make this very clear. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And so without going any deeper into that, we, we can see that, number one, God created everything, At some point, there was disorder and chaos after he had created everything. And then he felt the need to speak light into the universe. Now, obviously, there's tons that can be said about that. But what do we observe occurring? We observe Yahweh, God, establishing and maintaining order against the formlessness and against the chaos that was in the creation at that point. Okay, so shalom, this says, cannot be understood apart from that. So we have to keep that in the back of our minds. But it also has multi, a multifaceted meaning. It is used when there are peace treaties negotiated between nations. Mm-hmm. And if we jump forward to the New Testament, Chad. Well, before we get there. Okay, I was going to say, well, let me finish what I was going to say no, real go quick. If you jump forward to the New Testament, you see there's a peace treaty negotiated between God and man, mm-hmm. right? And that treaty is found in the body of Christ. But you see those that peace treaty between God and, and his chosen people all yeah. throughout Scripture. Leviticus 26, starting verse 6, he's talking about, uh, well, starting verse 1 of 26, you shall not make idols for yourselves or erect an image or pillar. You shall not set up a figure, a figured stone in your land and bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbath and reverence reverence my sanctuary, I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them, then I will give you your rains in in their season, and the land shall yield its increase, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last in the time of the grape harvest, and the grape harvest shall last to the time of for sowing, and you shall eat your bread to the full, 
and dwell in the land securely. I mm-hmm. will give peace in the land, mm-hmm. and you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall uh, chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. What Jesus, what God is saying here to his people is, if you have no other gods before me, mm-hmm. if you repent of idol worship, basically my wrath is removed from you, and I will give you peace and mm-hmm. rest. Which is the theme throughout Scripture for those who are against the Lord, or those who worship other gods, or those who do not have faith in the Lord God, mm-hmm. they have the wrath of God upon them, which is that war-type mentality that yes. sin must be punished. Yes. And all throughout Scripture, starting in Genesis 3.15, and with Adam and Eve even, the Lord makes a way for peace with him, and then that ultimate way will be fulfilled in Christ himself. Yes. So we'll continue on in this book here, and, um, and then we'll begin to riff a little bit more on it. So it's really foundational for us to understand what I'm about to say, that God himself, Yahweh, is self-designated as shalom. Like he gives himself this designation. God is Mm -hmm. peace, right? This is in Judges chapter six, verse 24. God necessarily then is the ultimate source of peace, right? Right. Right. And so this takes on a massive amount of significance later on in the New Testament. But even before that, God promises a quote unquote covenant of peace with those who are faithful mm-hmm. uh, all throughout the, New, the Old Testament. Isaiah 54, Ezekiel 34, Ezekiel 37, Malachi chapter two, all the prophets speak of this. And they talk about the effect of righteousness that will be ushered in. Mm-hmm. Specifically when Messiah comes, this effect will be peace on earth, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the angels, when Christ is born in Luke chapter two, he will bring peace on earth, right? And goodwill to Yes, him. shalom on earth, right? Yeah. And so there's obviously much more that could be said, but there's three main dimensions of the meaning of this word shalom that are found throughout the Hebrew Bible. And I want to bring them to your attention. Number one, that shalom can denote material, physical, and uh, just general well-being within a social context, which really speaks to the horizontal relationships, yeah. right? The human relations, and then number two, there is an aspect of shalom that talks about uh, shalom being more of a state or condition, right? Mm-hmm. Like a state of being mm-hmm. rather than just a relationship. And then number three, there's, there are aspects of, of uh, this word that describe the relationship between God and man that are very closely associated with salvation. Yeah. Okay, so you have, you have the, the vertical component Mm -hmm. Then you have the horizontal component, Mm -hmm. but then you also have the internal component. Mm -hmm. So shalom is a a state of being that can only be one state if they've received it from God who himself is shalom. And then it seems to me that if you receive it from God, it's not just for you to enjoy, Mm -hmm. although that's the side effect of it, but it flows through you out into the world, right? right? And and this is really what I want our listeners to, to comprehend, okay? is there's a lot more that we could say about that. But oh, yeah. when we believe unto the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. we are given his spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Now, it just is obvious at this point that if God himself is peace, that he gives us himself, that we're going to experience that peace in- internally. Mm-hmm. And that's going to flow from us out into the world. Now, if this is starting to kind of make you, make some light bulbs go off, it should. Because when we stop and think about the person of Jesus Christ, he was a person who operated in this state of being all the time, right? Mm -hmm. Now we know he was God, but he's also man. Mm -hmm. 
he was the most busy, most busiest human being you could ever imagine. In Luke chapter 12, it says that so many people were surrounding him and they were pressing him in on all sides. He couldn't barely move. And yet he wasn't irritated. He wasn't anxious. He wasn't like, get out of my way. I got to keep moving. Like he was always in this state of, of shalom peace. I don't really know how to describe it because I've never met anybody like this, right? Mm -hmm. Where they're just like so focused and so at peace that they're, they seemingly are unbothered by anything that occurs, yeah. right? Now, um, that's, that's significant, but just dog ear that for a second. When we also think about our purpose for existence, right? Like um, as Christians, Mm -hmm. going out, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all the commandments that Jesus himself has given us. Mm -hmm. We are then the ones who take this shalom peace and we dispense it throughout the world by walking in obedience to the commands of God. Mm -hmm. Because the, if we walk in obedience to the commands of God, like you read earlier in, in was it Leviticus? Leviticus 26. There's going to be... Um, downstream effects. Yeah. And those downstream effects are going to be that the kingdom of God is going to be displayed in our lives, which is characterized by righteousness and by peace, right? Mm -hmm. God's kingdom is a kingdom of righteousness and of peace. There's no more sin. Mm -hmm. And like we've already said, shalom cannot be understood apart from God bringing order into chaos. Yeah. You know, as I'm sitting here listening to you, um, I think it would be right in saying that peace is the fruit of, the result of, the state of um, anything that's within the Lord, right? Because mm -hmm. it's who he is. Absolutely. The gospel, therefore, is the vehicle by which those things come about. A hundred percent. Right? So... It's through the gospel, through faith alone and Christ alone, that man gets peace with God and the righteousness of Christ is imputed upon us, therefore making us right before a holy God. Therefore, there's the vertical peace that you're talking about. Yeah, That brings the internal peace because internal peace doesn't exist unless sin is dealt with because the reason why those that are outside and apart from Christ cannot have peace is because they have sin that isn't dealt with and the wrath of God is still upon them. That's right. So you're able to have the peace, the state of peace, not only because of the truth of the gospel, but also because of the results. Uh, one of the results of the gospel is that God is able now to live inside of us. So now mm. the Holy Spirit lives there. Yes. And the, and the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Holy Spirit is the character of God, which is one of those aspects is peace. Yes. And then we have peace with one another because we have the character of God. And that's the whole point of us being the ambassadors of the truth, the mm -hmm. ambassadors of the gospel. That's how we spread the peace of God is through sharing the gospel and displaying the gospel in our character and our conduct. Yes. So peace, <clears throat> when, I, when I'm thinking about all these things in my mind, kind of coming together this three-dimensional thought process, peace is, is the is the fruit of or the state of being in a relationship with God through Christ. Yes. Yes, and, and there's four there's four categories that I think would be good to mention at this point in the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and they have to do with this idea of peace. Uh, but they don't occur until one is saved, right, in the person's life. So 
number one, when someone um, receives salvation as a gift, uh, the first category of peace that occurs is peace with God. Mm-hmm. Like we've said, mm-hmm. uh, Romans 5, 1 and 2, they talk mm-hmm. about this, right? Mm-hmm. Since therefore we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Exactly. Right? And now our position before that God is one where we stand in grace, mm-hmm. whereas before we stood in con- condemnation right. because of his holy law. Right. But now we stand in grace. This is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And this is the first category of peace that we now experience. We experience peace with God. Mm-hmm. Secondarily then, we experience peace with one's self. Yeah. With one's self. And this is important to stop and mm-hmm. think about. It's very relevant in our culture nowadays because we so often see people who don't have peace with God trying to make peace with one's self. Right. With all of the means available through the world. Number one, we can take the, the right side of the spectrum, okay? Uh, We can take the desire to be healthy way too far and make an idol out of it, right? Now, idol making is just an example of us being out of harmony or outside of peace, shalom peace Mm -hmm. with God. Because when we come into that state of relationship with God where we now are at peace with him, we're in harmony with him. Yeah, what's John 3, 16 through 18? Mm -hmm. And we forget the 17 and 18 part. Because right. everybody loves, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That's, yeah, it's awesome. Everybody loves that. He's about love, right? Right. But 17 and 18 remind us that he doesn't come into the world to condemn the world. For what reason? Because the world is already condemned. Yes. People are born into the state of sin and therefore have the wrath of God on them and are condemned already. Mm-hmm. Jesus didn't have to come to condemn. That was already, that's already That true. happened at the curse. Right. Yeah. So he does come to save those who would believe in him. Right. So you believe in him, you have peace with him, then you have peace with yourself. Mm -hmm. And again, we see this evidence of people trying to find peace with themselves by being very healthy or on the other side is the transsexual movement is a really good example of this. People feeling that they are a different self than the one that they currently have. And they go about trying to, you know, change it through Mm -hmm. mutilation, et cetera, et cetera. Another aspect on that spectrum is the psycholo- psychologized version of of peace with self, which is to forgive oneself, mm-hmm. as if mm-hmm. one has the authority to forgive oneself. That's right. Like that's the reason why man can never have peace with himself because he needs the forgiveness from God. No, right. We have no authority. Yeah. To forgive ourselves. So you have peace with God, then you have peace with oneself, which comes through the forgiveness of God. That's right. You can't have any of the, these last three without right. the first one. Right, we need to accept the grace and forgiveness given to us by God through our repentance and faith. Amen. Peace with God, peace with self. Then what flows out of that peace with God and self is peace with your neighbor, peace with your fellow man, right? You can have um, and are called to be uh, a peacemaker, Yeah. right? That's This is the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers, right? So we can now have true shalom peace if we've got peace with God, peace with self, we have peace with others. And then the fourth category is peace with the creation, right? Mm -hmm. And this is one that's also very culturally relevant. Mm -hmm. You've got the quote unquote green movement now that there's really an anti-human movement when you begin to study it. Because there's really nothing mankind can do other than to cease to exist that will make our relationship with the creation in this view, mm-hmm. right, right? Mm-hmm. We need less humans really is what we need according to that view. 
But that's not biblical and that's not the truth, yeah. um, even just empirically looking at it. Mm. But those four categories is, is what I want our listener to keep in their mind now, is that this I, this concept of shalom, which is well-being, but it's so much deeper than just a general well-being, mm. is first peace with God, then peace with self, then peace with other people, then peace with the creation. And this concept is literally everywhere in the Bible, but here are some other uh, co-concepts or co-emphases from the book that I've already referenced, Westminster Theological Word Book of the Bible, that are found in the Old Testament. So these words that I'm about to say are co-emphases alongside shalom, and they are creation, covenant, steadfast love, faithfulness, salvation, and God's reign, okay? Now, in the New Testament, with the word irene, which is this essentially the same concept as shalom, here are some co-terms that come alongside peace in the New Testament. Kingdom of God, justification and justice, righteousness, reconciliation, joy, faith, and salvation, and love, and wholeness in body and spirit. So why am I saying those? I'm saying those because when we understand that peace is associated with all of the major theological concepts that are found in both the Old and New Testament, well, then it really does beg the question, why aren't we talking about peace more? Mm. Why aren't we talking about shalom? Why aren't we talking about irene more? We yeah. need to. I think it's talked about more in a wrong way in the world. You know, you hear Definitely. you hear a lot about peace in the world. It's the same thing, same way we hear a lot about love in the world and both defined wrongly. Yeah. Um, I think you do hear a lot about peace, just like you hear about love in in the church in the the ones that are faithfully you know preaching and expositing scripture. You you have to talk about these things as they come about, right? Mm. But unfortunately, even within the church, I th I've I've seen and heard a more worldly view adopted mm. than the biblical view of peace, because just like love, peace also requires an acknowledgement of one thing, and what is that? Sin and wrath. That's right. We have to deal with the fact that we deserve wrath and we deserve hell mm -hmm. in order for us to find peace. It's Paul Tripp said it this way in uh, his Advent devotional, my wife and I uh, have been going through, mm. and in one of his devotionals he was talking about this, not this exact concept of peace, but the concept of of the gospel, and he said, hope is found through hopelessness. Mm. And I think you could apply the same thing to peace, is, is hope is found through hopelessness means you have to come to the end of yourself to see that you're hopeless, and, and it's against the backdrop of our sin that the gospel then makes sense, and that there is, that grace now makes sense mm -hmm. and is understood. And it's as you come to the end of yourself and confess your hopelessness that you find hope. Yeah. And it's the same way we find peace. That's so good. And that makes a lot of sense when we think about how peace is related to God's, uh, to Yahweh war, where he's mm -hmm. coming against the chaos, right? He's driving out the chaos. Another way of saying what I'm, what I'm trying to convey is, is that light, when, it's, when it comes into a room, moves out all the darkness, mm. just as when Christ comes into a heart, he eradicates the sin, right? Yeah. And, and and there is this 
within the uh, the idea of progressive sanctification, this ongoing war, right? Mm-hmm. Even Paul talks about it in Romans 7, right? The things that I want to do are the things that I do not do right. because I find this law at work that in my members exists this 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 evil, right? There's this new creation that I am called the inner man that has been renewed, that has been regenerated, yeah. but it exists and it is incarcerated inside of this body of death he goes, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Oh, thanks be to Christ Jesus, right? Who does deliver me? And when we talk about um, uh, light coming into the darkness or, or, or peace coming into chaos or order coming into chaos, the Bible is very clear that this cannot occur, this peace cannot occur without Jesus' victory over sin, without Jesus' victory over death, and without Jesus' victory over the devil, right? Evil, in other words, must be conquered in order for this state of shalom peace to exist, both in the individual and in the creation at large, yeah. right? So this is massively important, mm-hmm. right? Again, go back to the Great Commission, what are we doing there? Well, we're bringing the kingdom of God to earth first in the hearts of human beings. Yeah. And then when Christ comes back, he will establish it here right. uh, in a physical kingdom, right? He will do that. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is absolutely foundational for us to understand. Even like Jesus' victory being a precondition for peace to even come into the world. Yeah. Like, like if the cross never happened, then we could never have true peace, mm-hmm. right? Because we could never have peace with God. Then we could never have peace with ourselves. Then we could have never have, never have peace with our fellow man. Mm-hmm. And certainly the creation would be yeah. in its sinful, corrupt condition and forever. Yeah. This is massively important. Mm-hmm. In one sense, this shalom peace that we're talking about is God's intention for his creation. Yeah. Well, it, and then it takes us to the sovereignty of God that Christ was always the plan, meaning that Amen. That this that Christ was always, always the way that God's peace was going to come about um, in a mm-hmm. way that's permanent, right? Like yeah, yeah, when we get to Revelation, when God, Christ's first coming was to to give us the peace with God in our hearts and through and, and cover our sin. And then the second coming, he renews everything, including creation, yeah. to create a new heavens and new new earth that will be without sin, and there will be no opportunity or possibility for it. That it'll be an eternal state of peace. Amen. That's exciting. Yeah, <laughs> and that is definitely an encouragement for me, and I hope that it's an encouragement for you out there, listener. That. You know, if you find yourself in a state of just constant, what seems like the opposite of peace, Mm -hmm. well, there's those four categories to think through. Number one, do you have peace with God? Mm -hmm. In other words, are you a believer? Mm -hmm. Are you saved, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you are not, then you will struggle in vain at trying to have peace in those other three categories. Peace with self, peace with others, and peace with the creation. You will always be out of harmony, with those other categories if you're not in harmony with God himself, right? And I don't mean like harmony by some new age sort of metric or, or, or language. I mean, do you have peace with God? And if you do, then you'll be in harmony with him, right? Um, I think about 
as I was saying to you earlier, Chad, this morning when I came to the office, all stoked out of my mind. <laughs> uh, I think about a sound wave, you know, and because uh, I play music and if you've got a guitar, for, let's say, and you have, uh, if it's in normal tuning, you know, which if you play guitar, you'll know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. In normal tuning, generally speaking, you'll have um, the top string and the bottom string both tuned to E. And what harmony is, is when you, if I was to hit that top string and hit that bottom string, they both, they're both in harmony. It would sound like, you know, but if I was in disharmony, I would play the top string and the bottom string, but then I would start to tune just the bottom string to a different frequency and it would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. There'd be this dissonance, right? Mm. Or this disharmony, if you will. And that's what sin does to the human heart. That's what sin does to the creation is it takes it into this dissonance in a sense. Things aren't in harmony. There's no unity, right? But when we are saved, we come back into harmony, right? We come back into this unity, this peace with God. We are reconciled because now we have peace with God. And and like we said, that, that peace flows vertically down through us and out into the world and it is a state of being, right? We, we are in a state of peace with God always because of what Christ has accomplished on our behalf by his death, burial, and resurrection. And so let this be an encouragement to you, but also I, I pray that it's, that's, that it's a way for you to categorize your thinking. Am I in peace with God? If I am, good. If I'm, if I'm not, we need to sort that out. And it can be sorted out. We can place our faith in what Christ has done on our behalf. And it will be accredited to our account if we repent from our faith, uh, repent from our sins and place our faith in Christ's righteousness mm-hmm. alone. Um, and then once we have that, well, now we can truly have peace with ourselves, And now we can truly be peacemakers with other people. And we can have peace with the creation. Meaning, well, how are we stewarding our resources? Are we, are we stewarding our resources rightly? Right. This is what it means to be pe- to be at peace with the creation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, Chad. I don't know about you, but you know, look, we're we are we're meant to take dominion over the earth. That doesn't mean that we just use our as much resources as we possibly can in an irresponsible way. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we tend to be those that indulge, not steward. Right. That's right. There should be a balance. Mm-hmm. There should be a balance to how we utilize the tremendous capacity that God has given us in this earth, right? Because honestly, I mean, the Bible even says that we're free in a lot of ways and everything, almost everything, I shouldn't say everything, but many things are okay in moderation. Absolutely. But they become destructive when they become indulgent. But they usually become indulgent because they're attached to idolatry mm-hmm. and seeking the peace of God. Right. On your own. Right. And so we know that idolatry is a manifestation of this disunity, this this disharmony, this dissonance, mm-hmm. right? We must, we must get back into shalom peace, right? Not with God, because that's been purchased by the blood of the lamb. And if you believe, you've got that. But we know that we can kind of get out of, out of step, right? In those other three categories with ourselves, with others, and with the creation. But remember, b- listener, that if you are a believer, you have peace with God. Mm. And I think it's the remembrance of that, constantly keeping our hearts and minds focused on the crucifixion, the cross of Christ, Christ crucified, that will bring us back into that state of shalom peace, right? Mm -hmm. And we'll be able to move forward in expressing 
that piece to the world, yeah. to bringing people to Christ and furthering his kingdom in the hearts of individuals. Mm-hmm. Chad, any final words before we sign off today? Yeah, I think, especially in this season that we're in right now, we're thinking a lot about, you know, Christ entering into the world, mm-hmm. you know, the Prince of Peace. Yes. And we're called to be ambassadors of Christ for the message of peace. And not only do we get to have peace through the gospel, but we we can be the catalyst for others to know the true peace that comes through knowing Christ um, and being made at right before a holy God. So hopefully this is encouragement, not only for your own walk, but that you would love others in, in enough to tell them the truth about Christ so that they could receive the peace that comes through saving faith. Amen. We thank y'all for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project Podcast, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project Podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.